Today's episode is presented by Novavax. Novavax is a global leader in vaccine development and research. The company is working to make safe and effective vaccines available to help protect those who need them around the world. Novavax is also collaborating with leading organizations across the global vaccines landscape, including research institutions, government agencies, foundations, and industry to help ensure access and increase uptake of vaccines worldwide. Learn more at www.novavax.com. Welcome to Powerplay, Politico's transatlantic interview show, where I talk to influential individuals to discover how power is changing in their worlds, what makes them tick, and how they make the decisions that affect all of our lives in politics, in business, innovation, and this week in one of the world's biggest media companies in the spotlight. All right, we have breaking news right now. Rupert Murdoch has now announced he is stepping down. Our boss, Rupert Murdoch, is transitioning from chair of our parent company, Fox Corporation. The world he often shaped heard today. He the exit the of one of the most powerful players from the top job at News Corp made headlines on both sides of the Atlantic. At 92, Keith Rupert Murdoch, KRM in his company memos, and just Rupert to the many politicians and business figures who've paid court to him down the decades, has formally stepped down from the top job and handed the role of executive chairman to his eldest son, Lachlan. Why does everyone ask how I'm feeling? I got done a huge deal. I got the election. I got ATM. I got plenty on my plate. And yes, we're all thinking it. Mr Murdoch's recent departure does sound a lot like a lost episode of HBO's Succession, with Logan Roy always on the way out, and yet somehow still wielding power at the roistering conglomerate Waystar Royco. The Murdoch holdings include the polarising US TV channel Fox News and News Corp titles in America, the UK and Australia. They, as well as Fox, are now under the sway of Lachlan Murdoch at 52. But for how long, given that his siblings have powerful share voting rights, which will assert themselves, as one long-standing executive Riley puts it to me, in the unlikely event that Rupert is ever no longer alive. There's plenty to preoccupy the new boss in the meantime, though, not least a 2.7 billion defamation lawsuit brought by the Smartmatic Voting Count Machine Company over claims of voter fraud reported on the Fox network after the 2020 election. And there's also the backwash of a massive settlement in a similar case involving Dominion voting systems. Politics has always been in Murdoch's blood. So what does this transition mean for the candidates in the US election scrambling for endorsements and a resurgent Donald Trump? What too for the UK as the political cards get reshuffled in the run-up to the next general election? So this week, let me introduce you to Michael Wolfe, longtime chronicler of the Murdoch empire and biographer. He's just published The Fall, the end of Fox News and the Murdoch dynasty. But the end of what exactly? Michael Wolfe, welcome to Powerplay. Thank you for having me. We have what's been called the real succession or real life succession from Rupert to his son, Lachlan Murdoch. What do you think this means for the power balance in News Corp and Fox overall? Is it a continuation of the same story or a different one? My feeling is that nothing changes, that this is a kind of theatrical moment 
in which the plot is not really furthered. Um, the truth of it is that Rupert is remains in charge. Um, I mean, he is Lachlan only sits there because he now holds his father's favor. And as it has many times over the years, that can change at a drop of a hat. Rupert controls the board. Rupert controls who holds, as I say, the CEO job. And Rupert is opinionated. He is um, a micromanager. He can't keep his hands off. Nothing changes. There is no reason that it has to change. But something has happened because after many years and much speculation, there was a decision that the rules would, at least on the letterhead, change. What do you think has driven that? Well, I think that there are probably two things or a range of things that have commanded that they change the perception here. And number one, in on a very practical basis, they have a very large lawsuit that they are facing, a $2.7 billion lawsuit from Smartmatic, another voting machine company that they that Fox besmirched after the 2020 election. And Rupert is going to have to testify. So this is people are beginning inside the company are beginning to speculate another clever Rupert ruse to sidestep having to testify. Now, this actually probably won't ultimately get him out of testifying, but it will delay. It puts up another hurdle for Smartmatic, and it just forces them to serious settlement discussions, which is where they want to go. The next thing is, let me be honest, it's my book, which is out this week, uh, The Fall, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Dynasty, paints a very, very vivid picture of what life in a company run by a 92-year-old is like. And what that means is that nobody is running the company or the company is run on a incredibly sporadic basis. And I think that that became, you know, not wanting to have to deal with that, not wanting to have to confront those questions became part of this change in perception. Politico ran a piece by Jack Schaefer saying Murdoch's goodbye, not goodbye, as he called it, should be treated as a mere trial balloon for the Lachlan Regency until evidence indicates otherwise. What do you think the Lachlan Regency, to take that metaphor, will look like? I think it will look exactly as it has looked. Lachlan is a, um, Lachlan's entire work-life career story is one of ambivalence. If you ask me, does, does Lachlan want this job? Not particularly. Why is he holding this job? Because his brother James wants it more. Now that is going a bit the full succession, as in TV drama yeah, succession. Very, well, well, Are you sure you're not intruding a kind of family fiction narrative onto something that may just be about business. No, no, no. And rem remember, there is no one who goes as far back and in depth in this family drama as I do. In 2009, I wrote Rupert's biography by invitation. I sat with, with Rupert for, um, for a year. I have spent enormous amounts of time with his executives, with his family. I met Rupert's mother. I'm fully versed in the tensions of this family, and the tensions in this family are almost mortal. So, yes, I mean, there's a reason succession exists, and it mirrors 
the drama, if not actually the personalities here. So anyway, I think that Lachlan is, um, he is a puzzling, almost enigmatic figure at the top of this company. What does Lachlan want? No one could tell you that. Let's look at the bigger picture, draw the camera perhaps out from the family dramas and the corporate uh, gossip and possible infighting. What does it mean for the US presidential election next year? You, you write vividly about Rupert Murdoch's antipathy, growing antipathy towards Donald Trump, including a plan to defeat him and elevate Ron DeSantis to the role of the next Republican president. Well, that hasn't exactly flown off the blocks if that was the intended strategy. With Rupert Murdoch's formal departure, are we likely to see the leadership want to wield that kind of influence? Well, again, the leadership. We're not sure exactly what that is. Um, The people on the ground at Fox who have one mandate, which is to deliver ratings, want Donald Trump. What delivers ratings? Ron DeSantis? Oh, no. Donald Trump? Absolutely, yes. I mean, since 2016, the Fox audience has become the Trump base. Um, They're one and the same. So Rupert's efforts over the past year to shift this to another candidate have been foolhardy to say the least but what it has produced but can i just can i just jump in there mike i mean when you say foolhardy i mean a lot of people either who are outspoken liberals or just worry about the compact of american politics and where it's going would say well if rupert murdoch has removed or wanted to remove his support for trump then that's actually a net positive isn't it why is it foolhardy well if you're in the television business and if you want to maintain your ratings at the same time which Rupert does and has instructed everyone, we're number one and we must stay number one. But then to try to do this with Ron DeSantis as your figurehead, that's, I think, a pretty good definition of foolhardy. How seriously do you take the prospect that all things considered, the future of Fox and its audience, that Lachlan Murdoch could put aside the antipathy which has grown between his father Rupert and Donald Trump, and decide that the best option for Fox as we go towards the next election is to embrace Donald Trump. I I think he could do that. Absolutely. Why not? It's a humiliation. I would not want to have to go and sit down for a cup of tea with, with my father, Rupert Murdoch, if I did that. But for sure, yes. It would show a certain strength, wouldn't it, if he were to be coming into this to say, I've looked at all of this and I take, Dad, you know, with all due respect, I take a different view. Or a certain weakness. I'm going to capitulate. I'm I'm going to roll over for Donald Trump. That's what he would be saying. That's how it would be perceived. And on top of everything, his siblings would make him pay dearly for that. So does that not create a real conundrum here? And I am going to say for Lachlan Murdoch as the new chairman, whether or not it's still in the relationship that you describe with Rupert Murdoch, we'll see and time will will move on. But doesn't it lead Lachlan Murdoch to maybe try to make peace with Donald Trump? Because what is Fox without that kind of engine fuel of the MAGA movement? Absolutely. And um, yes, it would make business and um, business sense and television sense to make peace with Trump. And that would be a real um, 
wounds, failure for his father. So I'm not sure how that dynamic plays out. If I were the son, wholly devoted to the father, you know, I wouldn't know what to do. And and I think Lachlan often does not know what to do. And in the stead of knowing what to do, he does nothing. We should prepare to be surprised. How high do you rate the chance that looking at the audience, looking at how important that, as you, I think, uh, said yourself, that this base is so connected, this viewer base is so connected, and obviously that's where the, the profits come from, to the Donald Trump movement, that Lachlan Murdoch says, you know, actually, the one way that this goes forward, also the under 35s, outside college-educated demographic, are moving Trumpwards. We have to go with Trump. How str- I mean, as you can see, I'm slightly pressing you on this. Justin. Okay, no, no, I I feel um, a press away because I think it's it's interesting. But let me bring up another constituency. In um, a relatively short period of time, Rupert Murdoch will die, and at that juncture, power over Fox passes to the four oldest Murdoch children. Lachlan, in order to maintain his job will have to have the support of his siblings. Right now, that is extremely unlikely. His three other siblings are, um, you know, politically much more liberal, progressive, and horrified by Fox and what Fox uh, has become, horrified by, by Trump, you know, pretty horrified by Lachlan and their father's management of Fox. And the likelihood is that they will give Lachlan the boot. I think Lachlan wants to salvage something here. And in order to do that, he has to appeal to, um, he won't, well, he will never appeal to his brothers. So he has to appeal to his sisters. I think a lot of smart money thinks that there might be some deal for Lachlan involving the Australia operation. Um, It's not going to involve Fox. And I think the sisters, or especially Elizabeth, his sister Elizabeth, has been advocating to sell Fox. Um, It's cable television. It's not getting any more valuable. It will only become less valuable. Why would they hold on to it? Sell it now. What about the impact of January the 6th? Well, it was certainly a wake-up call for Rupert. I'm not sure it was a wake-up call for the company. Um, you know, Fox is has, where the ground soldiers at Fox have one mission, ratings, 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 um, and they are wholly connected to Donald Trump. Rupert, on the other hand, was, I think, profoundly shaken by January 6th. I think that gave him this determination to say, um, to say no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something, and and you know I think his his daughter Elizabeth has been, I understand, very forceful in talking to him about his legacy, and his legacy is, you know, deeply troubled at this point by Fox and Trump, and that was out of that came the I'm going to support Ron DeSantis, um, but. Here we are on that with um, Donald Trump as far ahead as any um, primary candidate has ever been. Previous expectation was always that Rupert would stand and fight perceived enemies or challenges. But you, you seem to be saying that something happened around the January 6th and the perception of that in Rupert Murdoch, not just his more liberal family, that changed. 
Yeah, no, I, I think Rupert has never liked Donald Trump. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think, I think we can go further. He has detested Donald Trump. Um, he is a kind of creature which which Rupert has no sympathy for at all. And as a, you know, you know, Rupert is a cultivator and curator of political talent. And he likes a certain kind of politician. He likes a button-down, conservative, responsible, economically, business-oriented, all of that kind of thing, a kind of classic conservative politics, Margaret Thatcher. And here comes Donald Trump. And then January 6th came around and, you know, confirming, once again, confirming all of this. And he kind of said, okay, I, I gotta, I'm gonna do something here. I'm Rupert Murdoch. Um, you know, I make politicians and I break politicians. And why shouldn't I um step forward? Um, it's just that that hasn't worked out. Making politicians, breaking politicians, as you put it, Michael. Let's look beyond the US to the UK and the influence of News UK titles in the next general election. Tony Blair, as I remember very well, because I covered this very close up and actually ended up on one of those very long range trips with Tony Blair to Australia to get the blessing of Rupert Murdoch. Oh, he you, was, you, were, you were on that trip. Yes, I was on that famous, fa famous, yes, famous yes. trip with a slightly terrified looking Tony Blair and many of us, a whole shoal of us in, in sort of attendance to watch this. It was interesting. As you suggest, it was a, quite a pivotal moment. My question is, we've seen Rupert Murdoch in the past, despite his innate pro-business conservatism that you described very well, support centre-left leaders in Australia at one point. Subsequently, then he supported much more right-wing leaders. Tony Blair, he supported strongly in the UK and even Gordon Brown, for a while. So could you imagine, whether it is the decision of Lachlan Murdoch or made communally, shall we say, with Rupert Murdoch supporting a Labour government in the UK? Well, yeah, it's not, I mean, he's done it before. Could he do it now? For sure. Um, you know, and I think that there are other voices. I think the voice of his daughter in London is um, is an important voice. And, and I think that if he saw a Labour government being to his benefit, he would, of course, support it. Um, if he saw Labour as a certain winner, his support would begin to bend in that direction. Last thought. It's a remarkably textured, informative, often gossipy biography and look at builds on your earlier work on the Murdochs. You sometimes do sound very critical about him and about his legacy. Is there something you admire? Much that I admire. I mean, I actually think my 2009 biography is an admiring biography. He hated it, but it's certainly me and an admirer. That's me as an admirer. Um, I think that he that he built the media business. He transformed the media business uh, for better or worse. Um, and you could argue either way, but what you can't argue is that is is that he did it by by personal will and gumption and um, and even. Um, creativity and risk-taking. And, and gosh, it has been a hell of a story. So we're asking all of our guests, we need some help with the bookings, Michael Wolf. Who should we be booking to come on to Power Play in the next weeks and months? Who would you listen to? You, you know, you should book Tucker. So you think we should go for Tucker Carson because? Uh, because he's interesting. Um, he gives a good interview. He doesn't hold back. 
and there's a lot of questions to ask him. Well, there you go. Michael Wolf, you've got yourself yet another role after your, your many others as a booker for the Powerplay podcast. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Well, there you are, Tucker. Name the date and we'll get you on. Coming up on Powerplay, our power panel will be with me to explore what you've just heard and what it might mean for a bumper election year on both sides of the Atlantic. Stay with us. A message from Novavax. Novavax is a global leader in vaccine development and research. The company is working to make safe and effective vaccines available to help protect those who need them around the world. The company's vaccine technology is built on a protein-based platform and combines the power of a well-understood approach with an innovative nanoparticle technology. It is intended to help protect against some of the world's most pressing viral diseases, including COVID-19 and influenza. Novavax is collaborating with leading organizations across the global vaccines landscape, including research institutions, government agencies, foundations and industry, to help ensure access and increase uptake of vaccines worldwide. Because protecting one of us can help protect all of us. Learn more at www.novavax.com. Powerplay isn't just about our featured guests, though. It's also about how Politico's top journalists on both sides of the Atlantic can help me unpack what they've said and what might follow from it. Joining me are Jonathan Martin, Politico's senior political reporter in Washington, D.C., and Emilio Casalicchio, author of London Playbook PM. So let's turn to those comments, Jonathan, first by Michael Wolf about Fox News potentially changing course and backing Trump in the upcoming US election. Now, that would be in defiance of Rupert Murdoch's recent political preferences, which were pretty clearly dump Trump and move on, he hoped, to DeSantis. What do you make of that? Well, Fox's overriding preference is to keep its audience and keep the money coming in. That That's the biggest driver for them in, in the States. Rupert likes to play kingmaker, but he also likes to keep his share of the audience most of all. And um, therein lies the tension that Rupert Murdoch, really most executives at News Corp in America, don't think too much of Donald Trump. They don't take him that seriously. But a lot of their viewers do, and it's difficult for them to reconcile that. That's the genesis of their legal settlement was the fact that they had to pretend to believe that the election was, in fact, in dispute in 2020, and that cost them a lot of money. Why were they doing that? Not because Rupert Murdoch thought that Trump may have won the election, because they're trying to cater to an audience that they have built over the years by telling them what they want to hear. And now we get to the point where that has caused them real financial difficulties. And yes, it's caused them awkwardness because Rupert doesn't like Trump and doesn't want Trump to be the president again. But boy, you know what do you do when your viewers do? And if Trump's the Republican nominee, they're sure as heck going to be for him. Michael Wolff's thesis was that this would be a very difficult choice for Lachlan Murdoch, precisely for the reason that you lay out. And if, as it seems, Donald Trump is resurgent and does end up as the Republican candidate, do you think Lachlan Murdoch would be tempted to swing back towards Trump in order to capture that viewer base or consolidate it, even though it would effectively mean taking a different direction to his father? 
I do because I don't know what the other option is vis-a-vis the audience of Fox. If it's a choice between Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden, Fox would chase away hundreds of thousands, if not millions of its viewers by being unsupportive of Donald Trump or certainly critical of Donald Trump. And that's something that would create an enormous challenge. And the other thing, Ann, is this primary may not even last that long. If Trump wins the first couple of states in January and February, he's effectively going to be the Republican nominee. There's, it's going to be very difficult to stop him. Uh, Republican voters have demonstrated that they don't care much about his, his legal jeopardy. And so then if you're Lachlan Murdoch in its March of 2024, that's a long general election. And <laughs> it really presents uh, thorny challenges. You know, what do you do when the preferred candidate of 90% of your audience is facing down the possibility of being a convicted felon while he's the, the nominee. You follow this process up close. Is there some way to do a kind of fox light that gets round the kind of problems that you're laying out and also what you heard there, Michael Wolf predicting that this could be an awkward choice for Lachlan? Well, sometimes when choices are awkward, people just go ahead and do a good old fudge. Right. And, you know, uh, Rupert himself has a history of supporting non-conservative candidates, famously Tony Blair in Britain in the 1990s. I just think we're in a different, much more tribal time in America politically. And the prospect of Fox bailing on Donald Trump, who is the preferred candidate of, of their viewers, I think is hard to see. Could they soft pedal it and try to pretend like, you know, that's not the biggest story or you know, maybe. Um, but here's the issue, though. There's already a precedent for this. In the weeks after the 2020 election, I'm sure in part because Rupert was you know, embarrassed by Trump. He didn't like him in the first place. And he saw Trump's refusal to accept the results of the election to be shameful. You know, Fox famously called Arizona first for Biden uh, and then Fox, like the rest of the networks, called the election for, for Joe Biden. And Fox's audience rebelled. And they saw their audience share decline. And this is the issue. There are these upstart conservative networks in the states, like you know Newsmax, for example, that are looking for an opportunity to take Fox's market share on the right. And if Lachlan was to do that, uh, in terms of start walking away or edging away from Trump, uh, you can be assured that Newsmax and other upstart right-wing competitors would happily take their audience share. Yeah, it would be the revenge of Schumpeter, wouldn't it? The disruption of Fox by a, another pretender to the crown. You mentioned Tony Blair and that period in the UK when Rupert Murdoch personally quite strongly supported Tony Blair and even for a, a while Gordon Brown, his successor, or not I think, ever with the same amount of commitment. Emilio, Michael Wolf in our interview didn't seem totally shocked by my suggestion that a Murdoch, whether it's Lachlan or Lachlan along with Rupert in the leadership, could move to have some of his papers support an incoming Labour government in the UK or that prospect. What do you reckon to that? Realistic? I think it is definitely realistic. It's not clear at the moment 
where they might land when it comes to the next election. However, there are two things that I think that the Murdoch family will be looking at. It will be what's best for them in terms of their business interests and also who's going to win. They don't want to be backing a loser. Obviously, we think back to the uh, 1992 election when the Sun claimed it was the Sun what won it when Labour lost and the Sun had warned against a, a Neil Kinnock victory. That's become a kind of almost a joke or a, a mythical thing in Westminster, this question of was it actually the Sun? How much influence did they have versus was it just the Sun claiming afterwards it, it was thus up to us when it genuinely wasn't actually in the end? There's no doubt that Murdoch will look at what Labour is offering in terms of the business landscape in the UK and in terms of maybe what they're thinking about media and what their policies are in terms of broadcasting. Uh, obviously, is a big thing now here because lots of these channels are growing and Murdoch's got his talk TV channel and what they would do in terms of the papers. But it's also about, yeah, if Labour look like they're nailed on to win, if it looks like the Conservatives are still in a mess at that time, then Murdoch will want to be backing a, a winner. Obviously, you have to remember as well in 1997, it wasn't just about backing Blair. It was the fact that the Conservatives were in a complete mess. And I think it would have been embarrassing or difficult for them to back the Conservatives against what looked like the definite odds. Jonathan, you sounded like you were chipping in there. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about Rupert and the sort of uh, opportunism of the 1990s. And uh, Emilio makes an important point is Rupert was also looking for a winner, right? Because he wants to be with power. He wants to be with the winner. And if he can shape the winner and also jump to the head of the parade of, of the, the guy who's going to be the winner, I mean, all the better. And that worked, I think, in the 1990s Westminster. I, I just think it's more difficult given just the facts of today's American political divisions uh, that the idea of a Murdoch news organization siding with a non-conservative uh, in America would be tantamount to handing over a chunk of their audience to these upstart competitors on the right. They just can't afford to do it. And this gets to me to the bigger picture, which is Fox has been riding this crocodile in the swamp for years in the States. they happily keeping their audience, growing their audience by telling them what they want to hear and by you know giving them this a material that is provocative, incendiary, and frankly, untrue, or at least exaggerated in a lot of cases. And on, on one level, it's worked. On another level, well, when you ride the crocodile, eventually the crocodile turns around and, and gets hungry. And uh, that's what's happening right now. And it puts them in a very difficult spot. In true British fashion, Emilio, we don't have anything as dramatic as a crocodile really going on here, do we? We, we have sort of fairly consistent Murdoch supporter across the titles. We did have a, a variety of opinion on Brexit across the main quality titles, probably reflecting that big split there in the readership, in the population. But we haven't really asked the question the other way around. If you're Keir Starmer, if you're the... Labour leader, you're doing pretty well. You hope that you're going to get to number 10 and you're starting to hone your message on that. I notice Keir Starmer, Rachel Reeves, the shadow chancellor, these people now do turn up at uh, Murdoch events. They want to be somewhere in the penumbra, but to what extent do they have to sup with a long spoon? Because in the long term, you could argue it didn't do a lot of good for Labour. The relationship with Tony Blair was then seen as too tight, too involved around the Iraq war, and the two men fell out anyway. So what do you think, if you're Keir Starmer, how do you handle 
whichever Murdoch it is, is sitting opposite you in some nice hotel for a nervous cup of coffee? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think that you you have to think about it, right? They have to be thinking about what Murdoch wants to do, what the Murdoch family wants to do when it comes to, to Labour. It never hurts in politics to have someone on your side. And if that someone is particularly powerful and uh, has control of a number of different media outlets in the UK, you definitely want that person on your side. Obviously, at the same time, it is a risk because, you know, your base might potentially be offended um, about the extent that you would go to to try and get that person on your side. Also, maybe parts of the country would question it. However, I feel like we're in a different landscape to what we were in 1997. The Murdoch grip on UK media just isn't the same as it was then because you have lots of online different publications. You have, like I said before, this kind of split in new TV channels, etc. People are getting their information from social media, etc. And so people I talked to from the, the New Labour era, they would argue that we're never going to see another kind of media baron figure like Rupert Murdoch. And so I think although Keir will want to try to get as many people as like he can on their, on his side, like I say, there isn't the same kind of pressure or there isn't quite the same kind of stakes to not doing so, I think. Jonathan, last thought from you. Does that feel like the right angle? Obviously, the politics are very different, but is there that sense of the rearview mirror there that I thought Amelia uh, rather wisely brought up? Is this actually the end of a story of mass media dominance of one or the other big companies, while a lot of the political action and what influences who comes to power in the US is happening somewhere else? Yes, we're at an era of media fragmentation, the old gatekeeping, whether by the traditional mainline news organizations or even within the right uh, via an organization like News Corp. Those days are over. Uh, it's hard to think that a headline like it was the sun, what won it would be resonant in the year 2023 or 2024. First of all, because it's a print headline. Let's just stop there. And, you know, the idea of a print headline having the kind of resonance today is, is just laughable. And when you think about the Murdoch influence, especially in the UK, it's those those print newspapers, mostly tabloids, that were, were so effective. And that's just not how people live their lives anymore. Well, hang on, hang on. La- last, really, I said last thought. Yeah. Super last thought from you. I'm interested that you put aside the print angle. You're absolutely right about that. Is it not within your imaginative possibility that we could be seeing, let's not call it a headline, one of those strap lines that runs across the screen, it was Fox what won it for Trump, likely or not? I think it's difficult to believe that that could be a factor in a general election in America in 2024. Um Here's something provocative for you. I think it's more possible that Fox could lose it for Trump because if Lachlan Murdoch was to make the boldest decision of his young career and use the general election to steer Fox away from Donald Trump and effectively portray Trump as somebody who's an aberrant figure in American politics, could that do some damage to Trump against Biden at the margins? Yes. Would it also do some damage to Fox? Yes. But I mean, I think in, in some ways, and like, that's the way that Fox could actually impact the general election. It's, it's less helping Trump than it would be hurting Trump by walking away from him. But again, I think that given the tribal nature of, of our country right now, probably would do more damage to Fox than it would to Trump. 
On that tantalising thought, let me thank my power panel, both Emilio and uh, Jonathan, for coming on. This one is going to run and run on any network you are, and of course, all across Politico. Thanks, Ian. Thank you very much. And that's it for this edition of Power Play. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do follow us on your favourite podcast platform and we'd love it if you could leave us a review to tell us what you think of the show. We do take it to heart. The producer in London is Peter Snowden and from Berlin, the executive producer is Christina Gonzalez. Goodbye for now from me and do join us next week for another edition of Power Play. A message from Novavax. Novavax is a global leader in vaccine development and research. The company is working to make safe and effective vaccines available to help protect those who need them around the world. Novavax is also collaborating with leading organizations across the global vaccines landscape, including research institutions, government agencies, foundations, and industry to help ensure access and increase uptake of vaccines worldwide. Learn more at www.novavax.com.